You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Whether you need a battery for your truck or batteries for your trail cameras, Interstate Batteries has the batteries for your everyday life. Stop into a local retail location. They have thousands upon thousands of them all over the United States. Or go and visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. All right, guys, part two this week, Land Likes podcast. And uh, as we get kind of shoot season will open up, this will be the last podcast that we do before season's yeah. opened until January 15th. So it's hard to believe I, I'm sitting here just kind of like questioning, is it really already deer season? I, I cannot believe it. Yeah. But here we are. It's un- unbelievable. So this week we're going to be talking, Matt, are you shooting single or double expandable or fixed saddle or <laughs> no, none of that. We're going to be talking about, um, different habitat features and planning out, um, our hunting strategy for early season um, based on where we're at in the Ozark Mountains of southern Missouri. Um, Just a, uh, it's going to be an interesting fall um, because it's been a very interesting year weather-wise with a very late frost and pretty seasonably, unseasonably wet early summer to now super dry. Yeah. And all and, that and kind of being combined is like, yee, this is going to get, I might hunt some weird places. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously as we're talking about the resources created that, that would typically be dropping right now, we got to backdate and say, well, what happened in the spring? And we had a we had that like really warm spell early on and it created this leaf out and, and flowering of white oaks early and then whammo here comes the frost and completely kind of changed the game and yeah. it's like wow during turkey season we're, we're sitting there thinking this fall is going to be interesting but but now as we're sitting uh, as we're approaching fall we're reminiscing about that that same conversation because very few white oak acorns um out there I yeah. mean, it's like few and far between yeah, and, and typically with us so timber heavy in this region, I mean, there there's always a drive and a push for white oak acorns as soon as season opens. And sometimes those patterns that you're seeing on the trail camera, man, just in the blink of an eye, they they shift and they change, but not as much this year because they've lost or or, or there's just not a production of, of hard mass from a white oak uh, standpoint. No doubt. Yeah, it's we're going to go over all the different scenarios and 
different things that have that you know we're going to keep in play for early season planning because yeah. it is going to be weird that's for sure it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be a weird fall um for better or for worse though it's going to be here um and, that's exactly right and so we're just going to have to plan and adjust and we'll figure it out but here's the one thing, Matt. Here's the saving grace, and this is why I love our job, is because food sources change, and they change, and they change, and they change, and they change, and I can go on and on because it it'll change with the weather, the season, always it will change. But you know what doesn't change nearly as much? Betting. And that's why, my gosh, it doesn't really much matter. Now, they need to have food close because it's not going to do us any good if, if our betting tickets are great, but the food source is two miles away. So we need to try to make sure we have have food close. But the betting doesn't change nearly as much as the forage. Well, that that's certainly important. But, too, going back to the philosophies that, that we manage in and around is diversity. So So it's not like when we're doing TSI, we're only focusing solely on a white oak mass production. Like yeah. that's the saving grace. No, there's a hole in the bucket. And in the, in this situation we're talking about is that hole, you know, that that's not, that's not fail proof. So here we are again, even in a hunting strategy, talking for the need of diversity and your food sources because they change all the time, season by season, day by day. That's right. That's right. It's uh, it's going to be um, – that's just, once again, the importance of understanding um, the needs of a white-tailed deer and then basing that upon your, your strategy. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, um, real quick, uh, you know, this fall's been – this summer's been very interesting for us, trying to build a, a hit list, if you will, or a list of, of the bucks that we're going to try to target. It's been a little bit difficult on my end because of um, timber harvesting and not having as many cameras out and a lot of disturbance going on. And then also the family farm, we put cows in places we haven't put cows in the past. And I think that's kind of moved deer around, even though – you know, we've got a couple of good bucks on the farm that we are going to target. But because of now, they just shed velvet not too long ago. Uh, food plots are really not doing great because of the severe drought. Um, it's a little like, yeah, I'm not real sure. You know, I'm not putting a lot of high hopes on jumping in a tree on September 17th or whenever and going, okay, I've got a, a chance to shoot one of my hitless bucks. Um, right. I'm not. I'm not even thinking that way. I'm thinking, let's thin some dirt, thin some does out. Sure, totally, yeah. totally. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that approach. I was talking to your brother um, earlier this afternoon. He was on a little bit of a scouting mission, but you know, I, I've got uh, a lease that really, you know, almost. I mean, it's almost by the day that that property just starts to heat up late October. Yeah, and and currently. There's not a there's not a a shooter that I'm like okay really excited about or anything that's on the property on a consistent manner that I know of, and yeah. so it would be easy to go in early season thin out a few does break the ice and 
put a little bit of pressure on the property and then back out because right now it's not like there's a, a giant disturbance of I'm trying not to spook this buck and add all this pressure here and there. They're not there yet. Yeah. They will be there, confident in that. But it's one of those situations, sure, it's, it's possibility you could do that um, and have some great hunts and there's nothing wrong with herd management at all we don't shy away from that yeah um, so that's a huge part i guess the, of the question is though do you waste your time potential pressure when it's a lease i say yeah i still think that there's a, a responsibility to to doing that and i think that um well i know that i'm gonna eat them <laughs> so yeah. uh certainly gonna certainly gonna fill the freezer but what, whether that happens now or that happens uh later in the season you know it doesn't it doesn't matter when those opportunities arise they're still going to be taken because again i i think it's important to to manage the herd but then also um it will certainly be enjoyed as as food yeah um as well so yeah it's more or less there's that option out there it's not like i'm gonna go and do it and have to do it kind of thing it's like well i want to do there's some low pressure areas that they're very frequent at, but um, still, those those are the situations that we're kind of finding ourselves in. But regardless, to be able to capitalize on, let's say, thinning a herd situation, you still got to know where the food's at. You still got to yeah. know what are they foraging on in a year like this. Yeah. So, as you mentioned, I think it was in April. The leaves were really coming on, and then we got hit with a crazy late frost, like super cold, and a lot of the leaves got knocked off the trees. Oaks were in the middle of flowering, so they were hammered. And so now we're going, okay. So if your goal, like if your plan is always, and this isn't for everywhere, um, obviously I can't tell you, yep, no white oak acorns and you're in sure. northern or southern southern Wisconsin, you're like, What's he talking about? We're loaded this year. Obviously, I'm not talking for everywhere, but there is a lot of place in the Midwest that had that very cold spell in in spring that that are no longer having acorns. And so if you're in that scenario um, then this is kind of falling into what we're thinking. This is in our head for early season hunting strategy um, around here uh, in southern Missouri. And obviously, white oaks tend to have a white oak family, tend to be a part of our focus during the early season for uh, successful hunts. Um, and that could be... Uh, White oaks, chinkapin oaks, um, bur, oak. bur oaks, overcup oak, if you're in the south. Um, those are kind of the big four that I, that really come to mind for me. Swamp swamp white oaks. Um, and so if, you know, the, the, the place we hunt in, in Lebanon has bur oaks, that's kind of the big one up there, and white oaks. And uh, if there's heavy... Even with all the alfalfa and all the corn and all the wheat, different cover crops that they do up there, if there's heavy acorns, then that that that's where the deer are. Uh, that's the trump part. Yeah, it's just like you can have throw throw the kitchen sink at it, but if 
the natural native food source that they've been eating since God put them on this earth, if that falls, they're eating it. You, yep. you just can't take that away. That's going to happen. And it totally and, changes up travel. But I don't think that's it, this fall. Right, right. I, I think, uh, you know, it, and, and the reason they do it is because they're just building their fat reserves a very fatty type forage compared to an alfalfa, which is very protein high. But they're just preparing their bodies for winter. It's what they're naturally going to do every single year. But but now that that's like removed off the table, what are we going to see? What 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 is going to be that that forage that they're going to seek? You know, very routinely, or or is it going to be a very much browsing type situation? Because as you mentioned earlier too, Adam, in a lot of places that don't have crop. Um, if you're trying to plant food plots, unless you got them in really early, let's say jump the gun down here, then then they're not probably growing very well. And, yeah. and you might have had some summer crops, so, so some spring annual things that they're still hitting. But beyond that, man, it, it's there's not a lot of native forage uh, as, as many of the uh, Forbes man, they're, they're timing out as well. They're drying out with it being with being so dry. They're at the flowering or seed production stage, so they're not very palatable. Um, essentially, Adam, what we're describing is what we talk about often is the potential for a, a growing season limited resource, and, and that, that that's food this time of the year. It can be in certain situations. Yeah, kind of what we're seeing. Totally, and and it's like you know, so ought to. Uh, Missouri Department of Conservation, they do, one of the really cool things they do, they do managed hunts. And they do, so they'll take conservation areas throughout the state, and then you apply as a landowner, and you can draw, uh, in some cases, a totally extra tag. So if you got, I remember back in those days, you got three buck tags. And when I applied for them a lot, you got three buck tags. And then if you went to certain ones, you got another one. So you could ultimately kill four bucks in a season if you wanted. Um, now you have two buck tags in Missouri, and a lot of them you still have to use one of your own buck tags to to tag uh, a, a buck on those places. But we drew the prestigious blank conservation area and i say that because some of my buddies would kill me if they knew i told them what um if i was broadcasting which one to apply for but this one is in central missouri and um there was like at that point there was two that was like you either go to apply for this one or apply for that one and and it may still be those two i don't know but um man it was just like you wanted to tag for one of the one of them and uh, we, the very first year we put in for a managed hunt, we got drawn for this area. And we're like, oh, yeah, we drew it. Call the taxidermist because we're all getting our bucks. And uh, we, I think my brother had some connections because he was working for the Department of Conservation at that point. Um, and he had some connections, like friend of friends and um, or one of his old, his past employer or past coworkers was all over that, uh, or was part of the in the task force to, or the 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 
team tasked him to to do the work on that farming so he called him and got the lowdown on what was going on and what he found out was like great of course this is the year we draw can we not just put it in the bank and say we want our tags next year so they had uh it was a wet spring so they never got any of their crops in the field so no corn soybeans and it was a super dry fall so there was like no wheat the wheat was not growing there was a late frost so there was no white oak acorns and there was no and they had and they had a bad ehd kill off that fall that that summer so the deer yeah. population was way down there was no food really and it was just like okay what how, how are we going to hunt them now like it was really really a gut punch like board. how in the world like yeah and i felt like you know that meme it's got the guy from always sunny in philadelphia and he's like, I think he's got a cigarette in his hand, and it shows this huge marker board, and there's just numbers and signs and pie signs and all <laughs> that. And he's like, so this is what we're going to do. And it was kind of like that. So, And and just picture yeah. my brother, and he's standing there, and he goes, Clover, I found a clover field. And he was yep. the only one that was on deer. He found a food yep. plot that had perennial clover, and that's where a lot of the deer were going. He ended up shooting a really nice buck on that field, coming to that field. And uh, the rest of us just sat around, like, circling like vultures. Like, whenever he's out of the hot seat, I'm getting in there. But he killed the night before our last day. So we hunted one more morning. And, uh, yeah, so he drug it out. He he, he rode the hole for for <laughs> so many days that the rest of us just kind of walked around and scrambled and never could find anything. But, uh, anyway, um, that's well, kind of what mean, this fall is. Like, okay, are there – are there white oak acorns? Yeah, probably not. Um, the only so if you are finding if there are white oak acorns, if if I was trying to find a place, I would be looking first at the very top of the hills that didn't yes. get frost that 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 made it, and I would then also be looking for the ones that are more in the fields or on the edge of the timber that have more sunlight hitting them, and and you know the the ones that generally make. A lot of when there's acorns through the whole timber, they have the most. I would be looking at those trees first, and that would be yep. like if there's white oaks in my area, those are the trees that are going to have them. If those trees don't have them, the chances of other trees, yeah, probably not great. Um, so I've kind of thrown white oaks out the window for me. Like I don't, I don't have white oak acorns. It's not really in play. So I, I'm moving off of that that strategy okay move down the list move down the list so if i'm looking at food because you know during the early season you're really hunting deer going from from bedding to food bedding to food and you really try to shrink that gap you don't want them traveling very far from bedding going to the food but it's nice to know what the food is so we're running down the list right now of food and so white oak acorns are off the table next up typical early season what are we chasing Fall food plots. Let's talk about brassicas and cereal grains and um, annual clovers and different things like that. So it could be turnips or radishes. It could be oats. It could be wheat. It could be crimson clover. It could be perennial clover. But we're going to focus more on annuals right now. It's incredibly dry this fall. Incredibly dry. Like, once again, five years in a row, been super dry during September. 
and in August. So fall food plots that that have been planted, if they're growing or if they're up green, they're still not growing very well and they're not very attractive. So, I mean, it's very tough. Those are pretty well off the table. Uh, Some of you guys may have planted early in July or mid-July and gotten away with it and you have some green stuff or you have heavy thatch and we're able and you're down in a valley and you've got and it's not baked out uh, dirt um you can bank on that but for myself and for a lot of people i know move off of that one that's not that's not the early season food source that we're looking for what about you matt you agreeing on that is that the same scenario yeah, for, for you sure. yeah, so I mean, it's so so daggum dry not nearly enough growth for attraction or or heavy foraging if you're getting heavily foraged on with this little amount of growth it's even more bleak for you honestly yeah later into the season yeah so i'm moving off of white oak acorns i'm moving off of fall annual blends now my next step up is going okay well typically um for me you're going okay what about red oak acorns so black oaks um northern reds any of the red oak family they have them there's acorns on them it's not a huge crop, but they they have them. But you typically don't hunt red oak trees early season like you do white oaks because yeah. they're, they're just not as attractive. They fall later in the fall. Um, you know, sometimes I hear guys say, well, they like white oaks better than they like red oaks. Well, the timing, the timing of the fall is different too. And so... And I'm not talking about, uh, that's a bad choice of words. The fall of a literal falling of the acorn is different for red oaks than it is white oaks, typically speaking. Now, black oaks do fall a little earlier than your northern reds here in here in southern Missouri. So if there's black oak acorns on the ground, they're going to eat them, especially since there's no white oaks. Right. So if you do have black oak trees that have acorns and they're starting to fall, don't throw it out the window. At the very most, put more emphasis on monitoring that or hunting that this fall than other falls because there are very few white oak acorns if you're in an area like us. There is very few cover crop fields that are growing or food plots that are planted in fall annuals that are growing. So, of course, if there's a year that they'll eat them earlier and use it more regularly this is probably one of those years so don't sleep on black oak acorns and especially not on red oak acorns later in the fall as they start to fall more heavily so that's certainly something that i'm really watching yeah and and i i know that you know we've mentioned you know this is kind of a situation in southern missouri but that's not the point of the podcast the point of the podcast is that you and your own respective region are going through the same checklist in your head about the food sources available. Maybe you're, you're, you're in New York or Pennsylvania. And when we were there, I saw plenty of uh, apple trees that were loaded with apples that were naturally growing out in across the landscape. It's like, well, right now those are dropping. Those are, those are the, the resource that they're going after, but maybe years that up there, you had a late frost in the spring. There's no apples. Everyone, no matter where you're at, should be going through this checklist of what's available on the properties and or surrounding properties that you hunt to know 
is it worth going in early season or do I stay back or where do I go in early season to hunt? Yeah. So, and you're glitchy. I don't know why you're glitchy, but, um, you're certainly glitchy, but yeah, that, that's certainly true. So if you're in the Ozarks and you do have apple trees, so let's talk about soft mass. So, uh, apple trees could be a great attraction. Pear trees, great attraction. This is a year that we're going to see deer on odd food sources. If your spring and summer and now early fall look like ours or is, has fallen like the way ours has, where food sources are a lot different this year. So soft mass. And this really, this podcast came into my head as I was walking through the family farm yesterday doing some work and I noticed that the persimmon trees had a lot of persimmons on them. And it made me go, if there's a year that we're going to key in on persimmons, this might be one of those years. So soft mass. So weighing out this early season attraction. Let's just say there's not a lot of red oaks or black oaks that are on the ground, or you don't have a lot of them on your farm or in your neighborhood, but you have persimmons that that have a lot of fruit. This might be a year you really need to watch those. Don't sleep on soft mass, especially this fall. So if you do have apples, pears... Um, persimmons, um, even something like a beautyberry down south. If you don't have a lot of the, if you don't have a lot of acorns, um, that might be another thing to key in on. But for me, persimmons definitely have caught my eye, and we're going to be watching to see how quickly, uh, you know, you need to find those ones that are, uh, that are, that are turning ripe a lot earlier. Well, my think, farm, you know, I've got a lot of my persimmons fall in November and December, which is weird because I've hunted farms where they're dropping September 15th, but a lot of mine are green as a gourd. There's a lot on on this property, Elam Ridge here. Like, There's a ton of persimmon trees around. They're loaded, but, but a similar situation. I have not seen many dropping. Many are still very green at this point. Um, but there's always some that are in little different states around, but this is the year that you want to look into that because as those drop, they're not going to last long. So you need to be mindful of them. You need to know kind of where they're at, where they're located and make sure you can monitor it because again, everything is going to be seeking that out. You know, the deer aren't the only things that, that, that have and seek that resource coons, coyotes, everything is going to be on them um very very quickly but yeah. they can be a great attraction yeah 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 um so i'm definitely looking at those uh perennial clover now this is the one that may once again i and i'll i'll make my statement again if you're in the mid you know if you're in that mid united states all the way over in the uh to, let's just say Northern Virginia, mid-Missouri, northern Kentucky, um, southern Indiana, southern Illinois, and south, I still feel like perennial clover should be the base and foundation of your food plot program because it has way more ability to withstand different weather patterns, provide a lot more forage, um, than soybeans or corn or any other of the grains. Um, and for us on my farm, you know, that, that might be the weight, the heavy weight lifter 
That might be the one that puts it on its on their back and says, okay, we're going to carry you through. Perennial clover is really kind of, uh, once again, makes me go, I wish I had about two more acres of perennial clover. <laughs> For sure. I mean, there, there should be a strong emphasis, I think, on a lot of people's um, food plot rotations on a perennial-based system like this. Because here's, here's the value of it. I think we should talk about the pros and the cons in, in, in context to like this year. So I think one of the pros is obviously if you if you have it established, then it's already there. Like the root system is there. It may not be in the best form because it's hot and dry. However, it's much easier if something's growing there already for it to green up and pop and respond to what little bit of rain we have received than it is to think like, you know, if you're planting a fall annual plot, have it grow, germinate and, and have the tonnage produced. But the perennial system, if it gets rain and it has been a little stressed because of the heat and because of the dryness, it's going to pop and it's already right there. Yeah. I mean, it's just readily available. And that's a humongous value going into a situation like this that, man, it really makes clover look fantastic. And not that clover doesn't look good on, you know, good falls with, with uh, good rains. It still looks really good. That's why That's why it should have such an importance. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And so I honestly between and and so then you shift over and go okay well i'm in that same boat perennial clover but we've got alfalfa oh be watching the alfalfa fields in the evening chad yep i mean he's got a pretty good strategy going and and uh even saw some bucks tonight using alfalfa Mm -hmm. um that that really can come into play where it's like you know if you're if you have permission to hunt a farm that has alfalfa fields and you're like i don't really hunt it there's cows and stuff you might want to double check on those alfalfa fields because they may be a tremendous attraction this early season. Um, and one more thing that I'm keying in on early in the season is green soybean leaves. Um, sure. You know, donuts a deer we hunted a couple years ago, 190-inch buck. He was eating soybean leaves October 12th that were still green. So we're kind of watching one of our bottom fields that has soybeans that look really great and really seeing if there's any good bucks that are showing up there because of the uh, because of the, the, the attractiveness of those green leaves. Unfortunately, that's pretty close to where the loggers have been working hard, and if they're coming off the typical ridge to go down on that, that's exactly where they've been logging. So mm-hmm. as, they move, as they move further west on the property, it'll be interesting to see if deer quickly – come into that area and start using those those beans down in that bottom field so um between all that i mean alfalfa so green soybeans perennial clovers and soft mass that's kind of the name of the game for me right now of going if i'm trying to identify the food source that's it now um i also have to know about bedding but that's a topic for another podcast yeah for sure so guys that's a good checklist of for everyone yep. to kind of go through of what crops are available what are the conditions you know even six months ago to two months ago to within the week what's happening what's changing yeah that's what you should be thinking about early season in your respective region for sure guys we appreciate you listening this week and uh you know happy hunting be safe 
Um, and we will catch you guys next week. Yep.